From the People's Republic of California, this is North Mollywood. I'm Alex Papadimus. Sitting across the table from me, I don't have a joke for this, but this morning I cried in my car listening to the big country song in a big country. Oh, it's such a good song. Molly Lambert. I was talking about that song recently because we were talking about what songs have bagpipes in them other than corn songs. And I think I said, oh, in a big country. It, that's a great song. It is a great song. I It, it, it sounds really good uh, loud, but I was just overcome sort of sitting at, uh, you know, kind of like just re- driving down Melrose. That song makes morning. me cry anyway. Under the best of circumstances, <laughs> even like driving in Grand Theft Auto, sometimes I would cry at that song. It's a Vice, big Vice City jam. I've been listening to a lot of 80s 12 inches. That has been my coping mechanism, or it was for the week leading up to the election. Uh, and then since the election, nothing is helping. Not music, not TV. I find, I mean, we're recording this, This today's November 10th. I have found for the last few days, it has reminded me a lot of the way I felt immediately after 9-11, which was that, and of course, this is irrational now and it was irrational then, but it's the feeling of you just, of pretty much anything that seems frivolous in any way, you're like, you know that there will continue to be like Skittles and, uh, you know, uh, Don DeLillo and any of those things like and you just look at every single thing that brought you pleasure before or just things that just existed and were like you didn't even think about it and you're just kind of like you know it's just like I was looking at like you know oh what albums do I have downloaded onto my phone that I can listen to on this airplane and it was like nope 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 and then I realized that I have uh, Rothko Chapel by Morton Feldman which is a very sort of just sort of cold and forbidding and kind of if if you've ever heard it it sounds a little bit like uh like Kanye's wolves, if you stretched it out over like 50 minutes. Um, and that, that, that worked okay to the extent that things work. And uh, Fugazi works too. We, in, in my household, there's been a lot of John Zorn. Oh, interesting. Like I've g- gone in a, in a chaos direction. Skronk. And then, uh, yeah, a lot of skronk. And today, relevant to last week's podcast, I remembered that the Oasis songs that I like are the Chemical Brothers songs that Noel Gallagher sings on, which is also part of why I thought Noel was a better Gallagher than Liam. Uh, Setting Sun. What's the other one called? Uh, Left Forever Be. Left Forever Be. It's the one with the crazy Michelle Gondry video yeah. where, the, where the, the girl sort of multiplies and she that walks video. around the block. Watch it a lot on the box. Shout out to the box. Shout out to the box. Um, and Setting Sun is the one where she go, the girl, a different girl, goes to like a crazy rave and she keeps seeing like a weird old woman's face. Yep, that is the, the sound of MTV's amp What a good song and video. Yeah, those, that record's great. It's great. So uh, there's yeah. that. But the, yeah, a lot of 80s music, but then just uh, feel like I lost my taste for everything. Exactly. That's what I'm saying, too. It's, you're just like, how do you, how, how am I supposed to, you know, I don't know. My friend uh, Emma kept saying, texting me about like, okay, now San Junipero needs to be real so we can go there. The only thing that made me feel better so far, just seeing some animals in the wild. What have you seen in the wild? Well, after uh, I was watching with my friend Sam and he was being very, well, let's, let's talk about what we were doing during yeah. election night. Okay. Um, I watched with my friend Sam. He was being very reassuring and comforting for a very long time. 
of like, this is supposed to happen. This is like, this state was expected to go this way. Yes. You know, he very much convinced me that what was going to happen was that it was going to be like a very exciting sports game where somebody brings a big lead. Trump has a big lead. And then it turns like three quarters of the way in or halfway in it like starts to go the other way and then just builds momentum and then Hillary wins. Right. I was watching with all the MTV politics people and they were like, don't worry. Like it was like math, math, math. Like this is the part, like these are all, he's winning all the states he was expected to win. There's always that piece, like you're saying, where they're like in the middle of the, like where like for a portion of the night, like Trump just gets to run the table because he's in the, like it's these states through the middle and everything that are declaring. And then as the polls start to close on the West coast, everything changes and, you know, San Junipero votes and, you know, all of a sudden, and there was just a moment when it kind of turns. Yeah. There was a moment when my friend made a face, like they called some state and he made a face that was like, and, uh, I knew that we were fucked at that moment. I was like, whoops, what do we do now? The person who's been comforting me just looked really freaked out. And then it just uh, came into derealization mode. And my other friend came back from her viewing party because the person she'd been watching with had a panic attack and had to get in bed. And so she came back and we all just kind of watched together and we're like, hey, this is so weird. It feels like it's not really happening. How is this happening? Uh, And then finally we turned the TV off and then we saw a family of raccoons outside of like three raccoons uh, who were grooming each other in this sort of woodsy house that my friend lives at. And we just all kind of watched the raccoons for a while, and that was like the only moment of solace. But I think just like, hey, they don't know. This isn't going to affect them. Except it will affect them because the environment's going to go to hell. So... They don't know, though. You, they like, don't it's, know. You are responsible. <laughs> it, like you're responsible for creating uh, like a concept of like of mortality and apocalypse for yourself and for the raccoons. They're the Westworld robot raccoons. Yes, they their their brands are clean. We slate. don't want them to know what's going to happen. No, there's. Uh, I I I think like as much as possible, trying to stay off of Twitter is probably the best recommendation for I sure. can make for anybody because it's. I mean, both for. You, but because you can just you can wind yourself up completely like getting into the like who you know whose fault is it into the nightmares various nightmare scenarios that are flying around in there but also like i've seen some people say some some real dumb shit but also like the policing of the dumb shit that people are saying is its own variety of that and it's it also just it's exhausting because you're just telling people like it's people telling other people like how to feel and how to react to things and uh, you know that I feel like is just it's it's so far it's like information drained of all of its nutritional value at this point it's the soylent of information (laughs) it's made with rotten flour (laughs) shout out to soylent (laughs) which we will be drinking expired soylent in in the the parking lot of a circuit city uh, in in the new world uh, that is that is upon us in the world that's coming I saw this Sam Esmail, the Mr. Robot guy, tweeted like, oh, turns out I hate twist endings. <laughs> oh, my God. And there was like, I got mad at the Black Mirror Twitter because it was like, this isn't an episode. This is really happening. And I was like, fuck you, Black Mirror, right now. Yeah. No, just don't. Just, just, just. just, just. I'm not, I'm not ready for the dark humor. Look at this even. Yeah. Uh, 
and my friend Sam, who I was watching with, he lives in England now. And so I said, you know, did people think Brexit was going to happen? And he said, no, everybody was totally blindsided. Yeah, totally. it's the same, same thing. It's the same so, thing. Everybody's like, it, that's so stupid. No way there are enough people to who Yeah, I think we just all made the mistake of thinking that things were going in a more progressive direction and that once you break one barrier, that then the other barriers will fall, that people will become more tolerant, less racist. Uh, and instead, there is just a huge pushback of racism and it's happening everywhere in the world. And that's very scary. And that's why I started reading all this Hitler stuff is because I was like, how did that happen? You know, nobody was expecting Germany to come back with the the sick beats because they had all gotten so. And, and also, I was reading stuff about how Lenny Riefenstahl sort of like wasn't that great of a director, which is true. And she's obviously always been super interesting to me as the idea of like, well, the only way you get to be a female director is if you sell out to the Nazis. That's literally. <laughs> which is, you know, and, uh, and also that that's sort of what happens in Hollywood that like, if you want to be somebody who's oppressed and you want to advance, you have to sell out to really terrible people and adopt their values or at least work within adopting their values. And, uh, yeah, none of this helped very much, but there is also, I read something also that was talking about like, you know, I think people have been sort of reticent to compare Trump to Hitler also because they're like, that's too crazy. That's Godwin's law. It's like made right, it's too outrageous. Conversation but, ender. And you know, somebody talking about deporting entire races of people, that's fascism. I don't think that that is a stretch to say that that is exactly what Hitler became powerful banking on. And, uh, yeah, and then I was just like, why do I think America would ever be good? It was founded on a genocide and built by slave owners, you know? Like, it does not have any tradition. Like, like, I like the good people that have come out of it, but if I, if I, like, make a pros and cons list, there's a lot of cons. Yeah, I mean, that's why this is so hard to really think about, because once you start to pull the thread and you're kind of like, oh, everything that I really like about this country is not part of the source code. It's like stuff they added on later. It's not part of the core programming. You know, it's yeah. like, like, it's actually like there, these are things that people added in, in retrospect to be like, oh wait, that was, that was fucked up the way. I mean, we I did think that. that was my weird comfort was being like, I'm going to look at history for like what, what led to this and how other people got out of those situations in the past. And, you know, the sixties had, a 70s downer ending called the 70s where Nixon got elected, you know, and all of those sort of progressive things. I mean, that's a thing, too. It's like the silent majority are fucking silent. That's why you don't see them coming because they just show up and show out. And white racists really mobilized for this election and we were not prepared. And I think if people had known it was going to be so close they would have had a different attitude towards it. And everybody was just like, well, no sane person's going to vote for somebody who is a you know, proven sexual harasser, sexual assaulter. We're not going to make a rapist president. But that was naive of me to think that, apparently. And I think I'm just like also mad at myself being like, why was I optimistic? Why were you surprised? Why was I surprised? Well, I mean, that's how I felt during the Bush election, too, because it was like everybody I knew 
obviously was like, this person's an idiot and everything he's saying is dumb or incompetent or makes no sense. And again, I just feel like there's like, like anytime somebody says like, it can't get worse. I'm like, don't say that. I just think like there was a time when we all thought Nixon was the worst president that we'd ever have, you know, the most corrupt and the most conservative, just, you know, paranoid. Yeah, we were wrong. Yeah, I mean, that was, I mean, and then there was was a time we thought Bush would, W. Bush was the worst president we'd ever have. And we should not have thought that it could not get worse because it can always get worse, I guess. If you could be assured of, of like, if there was a button that you could push where it's like, okay, this will only get as bad as it did under W., it will get that bad, but that's just, that will cap the badness at that level. Like you, you will guarantee that it's that bad, but there's no, it won't get any worse. Smash that. Well, button then you're de- you're retroactively like, well, at least W was like establishment and like very easy to control, and Cheney was running everything. And what is so scary about Trump is that he's so unpredictable. He's impossible to predict, and he's impossible to control. Yeah. Like Trump has no code. Like Bush had a moral code and thought of himself as a, and at least thought of morality as something that you should practice in life, even if the way that he practiced it was yeah. abhorrent to me. Well, it's also like I think that after the 2000 election, which was also the first election I could vote in, I think, or maybe could I even vote? I guess not. I think I was still 17 when that happened. After that election, it was like, well, the electoral college is broken. Guess we'll just not deal with that still and put that on the back burner. And I remember also just like in high school being like, how does the Electoral College still exist? Like in my government class, just being like talking about what would happen if that happened. You know, well, couldn't somebody win the popular vote and like lose the Electoral College? And then it happened and being like, this is so weird. What like this can't be happening and we're all just going to be okay with this and the courts are going to decide it and we all have no power in this situation. Yeah. Just generation of generation (laughs) of of kids just like get mad and like throw a skateboard when they find out about the electoral college and like nobody, what can you do? And I also just remember that during the Bush election and his reelection that I was like shocked to realize how evangelical and hardcore Christian the whole country is how I am in a bubble that I don't know people who are super, super religious and that it was incredibly stupid of all the dumb white women who thought that every white woman was going to vote for Hillary because she was a woman because a lot of those women hate Hillary and are, you know, racist and were pro Trump's racist platforms and are anti-abortion. And so they're anti-candidates that are pro-choice. Yeah. And then it didn't matter. It didn't matter who she was or what that would have represented because it's there are values that are just, right. you know, quote unquote values or whatever that and are then, so much deeper. And then people than, are just like infighting about, you know, oh, well, we should have picked a different candidate because this candidate we all knew had so many people that just irrationally or rationally just had beef with her to begin with. Yeah. 
But um, I, if you look at if you look at who, if you look at like the exit polls and stuff, like I know egg people lie on exit polls, but like if you look at the like those that data, like all that, the, you know, there's the New York Times has a really good sort of like rundown of br- everything broken down by v- every way you can break it down, you know, like by income, by age, like by race, like all those things. Like if you look at those numbers, it's like the arguments that we're having now about like, oh, what if it had been Bernie? What if it had been anything? Like it's like it's that. Fifty three percent of white people like voted for Trump. That's it. It's yeah. like it's not. It's that simple. Like and we can again, talk about how we could have game that better. No, but it's like we thought that if they saw that he was like sexist and racist, they would like realize he was bad. But they voted for him because he's sexist and racist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, did you see the thing? Like the uh, I'm going to mispronounce her name, and I'm sorry, but uh, Sianda Mohitsua. Uh, had this long sort of tweet story that's going around where she's like had spent a lot of time like studying the kind of alt right oh, groups, yeah. the alt right Reddit, and like that all those. That freaked me out, but I was also like, "Is that what's happening?" I mean, I guess it's that thing with trolls, where like you assume that trolls are trolling and they don't really believe what they're saying; they're just saying yeah. it to get a rise out of you. But also, like I was watching, there was a big protest in LA last night. Uh, downtown and I was watching a bunch of live streams of it and there were comments you could not turn off on the live streams and they were insanely violent and just like hey when are they going to start shooting these people and stuff like that where you're like wow you know I really didn't think that people really thought that but maybe they do yeah maybe they're being keyboard cowboys but they also like actually feel that feeling no, I mean, and she's talking about like that, like basically that everybody is concerned about, you know, radicalization of like Muslims or whatever, but that like the the radicalization of young white men online. I mean, that's what I've as, been concerned about. Yeah. And it's like, that's, I think we're seeing it. We're, we're seeing the effects of that now. And like, she talks about how, like one of the things they do talk about in there is like that you don't advertise your, you don't make public. These are not people who are going to high school and the, right. or, I mean, high school kids don't vote, but like, these aren't people who are going around in like the red hat, you know, like they were actually like, there were a lot of people who were, you know, one thing online and like fifth column in society. And that's why like, it's no, such and a it's surprise. Like, even among, you know, liberal white men there is like this thing of like well like history's moved on and like we're not in the center anymore even though they are uh and it's just so weird if you're a woman or a minority i assume that you just are like hey like we've been getting passed over for shit for like hundreds of years and now it's the time to like turn over the keys and that they don't want to and they're not going to. And even though it would be like the reasonable thing to do, and even though women and minorities are constantly having to like suck it up and let some white guy take the glory for whatever thing, that they would be like empathetic in some way towards that. And I think it's very, I don't know, it's just, it feels like a nightmare world. And I don't know what to do. Because, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know who's going to make it better. Obviously, everybody who voted for Trump was like wanted a weird father figure to come in and like make everything like it used to be, which is a fantasy because it never used to be like that. Or, you know, it's very similar to what's happening in Europe. I keep thinking about the Billy Joel song, Allentown. (laughs) For what reason? Because. 
because Pennsylvania went red. And I was like, people think Pennsylvania is a blue state because it's like Eastern, but no, it's also where, like kind of the South. Oh, that's where my wife's from. She's from, she's from Philadelphia, but like, she was like, because just because normally, you know, when you look at those maps, like you don't know all the counties, like she yeah. knew a lot of the counties. It's like it's Pennsylvania. Like, yeah. That was not, so she did not, she was not surprised by that yeah. at all. But you know, it's not, I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I just, I feel like the sort of the, you know, th- that like sort of, oh, well, it's the toothless rednecks argument. That is no, also something wrong. that we're telling each other ourselves to feel better about it. Like where it's like we are othering the people. Well, and what it's like you, what you were saying too about coming up with like the worst possible scenario, um, which I think is one of the core tenets of Judaism. Uh, <laughs> I was thinking even like, what if California goes red? Like when we were waiting, you know, I was Mm -hmm. like, this is obviously happening everywhere. Any place in California that's not a city is like very much hillbilly town also. You know what I mean? I mean, all the places that our own Caleb Horton writes about, Bakersfield, um, all the parts of, of California that are not, you know, the urban diverse parts that we love and hold dear uh, are rural and Christian. And that I think is just true across the country. There's like that David Cross bit about how like there are rednecks everywhere. I feel like maybe I even brought it up on this podcast before. No, but I love, yeah, I like that where he's just talking about how they're, yeah, exactly. Like, uh, you know, I'm from Charlotte, North Carolina. I'm from Juneau, Alaska. Like he just does the same voice for every, Or just even if you looked at the breakdown of like who people voted for in New York, it was like 30% of people in Williamsburg voted for Trump. Like who are those people? We don't know. Moving forward. Moving f- moving forward. Yes, I guess. I don't know. It's 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 embarrassing that we didn't realize this as a as a group of people. It's really sort of I'm I'm really feel I feel like like I was I thought of myself as someone who paid attention, but like that one, I I don't know. I guess I, in a way I was like, in a way I'm not surprised in a way, the way that I talked to myself and other people about it was that like, this is going to come down to, is there more of them or more of us? I and thought that, there were more of us. Yeah, and that that pissed everybody off when I would say that because it'd be like, no, but you know, like if Hillary, if Hillary could reach out to them, I was like, no, you know what? It's it's tribal, it's numbers. It's like, who's going to line up on this side and who's going to line up on that side? And I, in you know, if, when you think about it that way, like this is this is not that shocking because it's a racist country and like there's like you know, and, or it's a country that like do, doesn't care about correcting that. Well, it obviously wrong, shatters right? anyone who still had the fantasy that like this was a post-racial country that yeah. because we elected a black president that racism was now over or on the down the downstroke because it's not it came back and, and i didn't think that but i just i guess it's i uh, you know i guess i didn't game that out all the way in not thinking that no and you right? think like okay now we broke one barrier of having a black president now we'll have a female president and they were like no we'll never have another president again who's not a straight white man who hates everybody that's not that Right. That we, is scary. It was. It is. It is scary. It's scary to think about. 
it was scary to walk home from Times Square because I walked home. I didn't get on the subway. I was like, the subway is going to be like a race. Were ahead. you like Tom not- Cruise and Vanilla Sky, like the only man in Times Square? I was it, no Times Square was super crowded because everybody was watching on like the jumbotrons and like you couldn't. There was points where you couldn't. I had to actually go like down, to, you know, to the avenues, like down, you know, to like Hell's Kitchen, like kind of like veer out because was like, Elmo you, crying. The streets were, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was just you were just watching people just sort of staring up at something on the screen. It just looked like it looked like Independence Day. It just looked like because like 10 percent of New York voted for it. So it's not like there were people celebrating in the Independence streets. Independence Day Trump. was also like when what I thought about during 9-11 because I was just like, that's the only it's like the sci fi thing of the out of context event that like when the aliens come, everybody won't know what to do because they just have no other, you know, reference point for what that is like. You just yeah. don't know. Um, yeah. And just during nine 11, they were like showing the footage over and over again. I was just like, the only reference point I have for this is independence day. Yeah. And it's, and it's so surreal to be like, this is really happening. I, I, yeah. I get frustrated with the, the booth sort of the attempt to translate it into pop culture. Well, language, I remember also, even being, though I know that's all I have too. Yeah. I remember being really weirded out in college because, uh, I was a media studies major and it was like the day after nine 11, one of my professors had like a videotape of news footage of the towers going down that she brought in. Like now let's all analyze this from like a point of view of how the news deals with like disasters. And it was like, nobody's there yet. Nope. (laughs) No, No. (laughs) like that feels really cynical in a way that like I can't deal with because like, of course, if you're like a television professor, you're like, this is an, a crazy event that's like really like showing how TV deals with the thing. I was I just live like, for this no, shit. no. I was like, whose reaction was to like throw a tape on? No, I mean, yeah, like, right. I mean, and then we're going to talk about how they how they taught the language that they used to talk about it. Like all of that is is, is valuable. And like you need to do that. And like we, you know, we will all will have this to unpack yeah. forever. But I can't I can't get to I can't get to that. Not yet. Just yet, because I'm still thinking about how weird it is that I, you know, like I walked home past the Trump Soho, which is Ugh. his downtown spot, and there were cement trucks lined up in front of the building, like in case somebody like tried something. And I was like, what? How did we immediately like, you know, just click over into dystopia? Well, that was also in- what happened after 9/11, where you were like, suddenly all this racism is coming out of the woodwork, all this anti-Islam, like scary, you know, people being just like demonizing Muslims and, and being like, well, now we have a reason to. And, you know, and just suddenly it became like you couldn't criticize anything or you were like afraid to criticize anything because it was, people were so scared. They just wanted to be reassured. Yeah. And it's just, I, I mean, who knows? I don't, I don't know what this is, what this is going to feel like. I mean, yeah, it's like, the, the, are we going to have the equivalent of those, all of those kind of really silly attempts to address the pro like the list of songs you can't play on the radio, the, cl- the, the clear channel list, right? That like, you can't play these songs on the radio because they remind people of, uh, of, of nine 11, three days after nine 11. That's part of what killed new like metal. The, I mean, also because it suddenly seemed irrelevant and like didn't matter anymore. But a lot of those songs got banned from the radio because they were violent in lyrical content, which just seemed like super 1984. Like we can't ban songs from the radio, uh, but you can. 
Yeah. I mean, it was weird that just to be like, oh, this will this will trigger people and remind them of 9-11. It was 9-15. Yeah. Like, we're not, not we're not forgetting about it, like, and turning on Jack FM. Well, like, also, they were banning, like, Imagine. Yeah. The John Lennon song. That was the weirdest part. It was like, who is the person that decides what songs are going to trigger people? Any song can trigger you. As a big country proved earlier today, it, they can it can take you to. I was just listening to big country, and I was feeling both really. I was feeling like really grateful for the ridiculously soft California existence that I have, and also thinking about the you know people who are not that fortunate. And uh, you know, I know that that sounds so lame and whatever but that's no, you know this is the earnest episode it's of the Hollywood. well it's the earnest and helpless episode it's the useless episode it's the feeling like what the you know what are you going to do i'm going to a protest on saturday like we're talking about you know like in macarthur park like here in los angeles and like everybody like i'm retweeting things i'm retweeting like you know trans helplines and like everything that i can think of to do and not being detached and ironic on twitter yeah. because i don't want to do that right now and I don't that doesn't feel real but you know it, it or useful helpful I I I I'm also becoming Nicholas Fane political comedian on this show I'm becoming the 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 Fred Armisen character that makes fun of Mark Maron and just like ah, can you ah, ah, like which ah, I think uh, more than usual yeah it's hard to feel like you don't know what to say or like you're at a loss for words about this I mean my brother was texting me when the results were coming in just like should we be scared yet and I was like I don't want to say yes but like yeah for sure we should be but you want me to say no and I want to say no because I want that to be true and I don't know um I I want to just yeah let's try to think of like what are the positive helpful things we can say I don't know. I be mean, good to your people. Yeah. Ask your friends what they need from you. Uh, be nice to people that you might not want to be nice to normally because everybody is, is everybody hurts, as a band once said. Uh, and yeah, maybe just get off the internet, I think, is probably the right answer. Yeah. I think the internet in this case is amplifying people's feelings of helplessness uh, and I think no one's going to come up with a plan immediately. And to think that we should have a plan in place by now is uh, it's not going to happen. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I'm, I have no advice for anybody. I'm going to devote a lot of time and energy to figuring out how I can leverage this privilege that I have and how I can, how I can use that as cover to do something positive. I have no idea. But yeah. by the time you hear this, we'll probably have it all figured out, though, because it'll For be a sure. few days. It'll be, it'll I be mean, next Tuesday. I was so. making so many jokes out of anxiety just before it happened. Uh, and one of the jokes I made was, what if 2016 has two endings? And I'm still like, it feels like it did. And we got the wrong one. And like, how do we get the good one or the better one? It's yeah. It's probably the, has like seventy endings, and this is just one one variety. I've I've been obsessed all year with the Peripheral, this William Gibson book that came out. Uh, like I think it's from actually last year, but like I read it uh, in January or read it around Christmas. And there's a number of things going on in there. It's basically it is two timelines talking to each other, 
And the one is basically there's one where the kind of not the apocalypse, but something called the jackpot, which is like sort of a great collapse of many different systems, like a sort of just, you know, overall systemic collapse in environmental things. And like there's basically a timeline that just ends and there's a timeline where you survived it. And that timeline can sort of talk back in time to the other one. And I've been sort of thinking a lot about the jackpot in this moment. And like, you know, are we, are, are, are we at that point? And, you know, it's terrifying. But then the other thing that I have to think about is like also a William Gibson quote, which is the future is already here. It's just unevenly distributed. And the way that I, I, I fall back on that all the time. And I feel like I've said that on this show before, but like one of the things I'm trying to think about is that like, this feeling of like being scared all the time about like the way that things are and like about who's running the country. Like there's a lot of people in this country who have lived with that for a very long time. And like that feeling, like my mom always talks about when Nixon got elected that she's like, you know, she's like, Alex, like we thought that they were going to come and round us up because they're all potheads um, and they're paranoid. Um, My dad had a giant picture of Lenin on his college dorm wall um, and denies all of it now. But you know, that like, it's not, it's only new to us. And that is another thing that I'm trying to remember. And all I'm sort of saying, it's like, I'm reading things into the record right now. And that is, that is one of those things, but just, you know, just remember that like, that's this feeling that you woke up in a country that's not yours is not unfamiliar to a great vast swath of the population. Uh, I had a comforting fantasy before the election that didn't, isn't comforting anymore, Uh, which is I was like, maybe the reason all these Silicon Valley billionaires are supporting Trump is because then we'll all be forced to colonize Mars afterwards. Why was that comforting? (laughs) (laughs) What was comforting about that? Because it implies that people are trying to get Trump elected out of some like cynical money-based reasons. Right. Rather than just racism. Yeah. Rather than it just being, no, nope. it's more comforting than people are just racist to yep. think like, no, no, this is like a plot, and they want. I mean, it's not, it's not optimistic. It's like then we'd all have to move to Mars, and we'll get space brain on the way, and then they'll just put us in like some kind of weird housing units for people with space brain, and let us live out the rest of our days there, giving them all our money. Maybe uh, it's not as comforting as I thought. Yeah, there's only like 12 billionaires. There's not enough billionaires. It's just regular people, and they're racist. Um, Yep. Anyway, uh, we need to get working on that Mars thing just in case. Yeah, Mars is not the planet. There are like many other – but again, I'm just like that is, you know, all the people that are talking about leaving the country. Like that is not what it's about. It's about staying here. No, and and leaving the country is such a bougie way of – that's such a – bougie reaction to like something like that it's just so like to be like oh i'm moving to i'm moving to canada where they have a you know it's like well, i oh. i mean i my friend diana uh who's from tijuana talked a lot about how like 10 years ago in tijuana there was like really bad drug cartel violence the president of mexico basically they took out one of the big cartels and then there started being kind of wars between the the remaining cartels of like who was gonna run run the drug trade right uh, and she said that what happened was that all the white people stopped coming to Tijuana and then all the people that could were rich enough to leave Tijuana left. But that left all the people that could not leave and were not did not have the resources to leave and they had to just build the city back and make their own community. And what ended up happening was that the people who lived there and stayed, 
you know, started opening restaurants and opening clubs and opening art galleries and, and building sort of their own culture in this place that had always been really tourism focused, you know, because, yeah. uh, because they had no other choice and because they're like, what the fuck else are we going to do? We can't be scared for our lives every day. We can't be afraid to go out in the streets every day. And, uh, and it's a great city. And now it's a vibrant, wonderful place that has its own culture that is not as focused on tourism as it used to be. It's, it's about, you know, serving the needs of the people who live there. Molly, is this a backdoor pitch for the 90s commune? Again, are you trying to make this about the 90s? Well, commune? that's my other theory is that we've been living in an alternate reality since 1999. And that is why everything has felt so off since the 2000s started is because we, we took the wrong, the wrong door. Right. We are, we are meant to be in, in a different time. I'm just line. saying that's comforting though. Cause it implies that there is like a better reality somewhere that if we could just figure out how to get there. But uh, the reality of reality is we just have to deal with what we have and uh, help the people that need it more than we do. And uh, if anybody feels the need to just reach out and scream because they're frustrated, we are here for you. And I will, I will retweet your organization if you have an, if you have an organization to retweet i will boost your signal that is all i'm doing right now on on, on the internet so if you have it I'm, I'm boosting the signal on that and trying to hold off on retweeting stories about how trump's cabinet is going to be like the hamburglar and uh, you know they are going to open arkham asylum <laughs> that it's gonna yes let everybody in the suicide squad who's like too squirrely for the official republican party I don't think we have to end it on an uplifting note. I think it's okay to say we don't fucking know. Everybody take care of yourselves and take care of your people. And uh, we love you, North Mollywood listenership. We are your friends. Yeah, let this podcast be a San Junipero of the mind for, for everybody, hopefully. And we'll see you next week. This episode of North Mollywood was produced by Michael Catano, Mukta Mohan, Kasia Mihailovic, and James T. Green for the MTV Podcast Network, with additional engineering by Little Everywhere. You can subscribe to this and all of our other shows on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever else you find your favorite podcasts.